0: From app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. It's tournament time here on Jersey Jump Shot. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. Today we are talking the NCAA tournament who's in and, more importantly, almost who's out. Of course, representing New Jersey, Fairleigh Dickinson, a 16 seed. They will play in the first four against Texas Southern. And then Princeton, the Ivy League champions, they are a 15 seed. They will take on number two, Arizona, in the NCAA tournament. Those are the teams that are in, but of course, the big story, Rutgers is out, much to the surprise of many people out there who are predicting brackets, taking a look at these teams. The Scarlet Knights on the outside looking in. They will be playing in the NIT against Hofstra tomorrow night. But Jerry, just off the top of the show, when you you see Rutgers left out, as we were all watching the the Selection Sunday show, not hearing their name called, what are your thoughts?
1: It was a bittersweet and and really shocking day for New Jersey college basketball. It's nice to see two teams in the NCAA tournament bracket. You know, Princeton, a lot of people didn't think they'd be able to beat Yale. They get there. But Rutgers was really the story, not just in New Jersey, but across the country yesterday because... I mean, they were really the number one team snubbed. I know the committee had Oklahoma State as the first team missing the cut line, but in the eyes of the of the college basketball populace, Rutgers was the team that got the shaft. I mean, they appeared in just about every notable bracketology as being in, in some bracketologies as being, as getting a buy into the main bracket. So, in this metrics-driven age, in the old days it used to be smoke-filled room and you'd be guessing. In this metrics-driven age where you have a roadmap as to how the committee assesses these things, it's it's pretty, it's pretty a lot easier to kind of figure out and, and predict who's going to be there. And it wasn't with Rutgers. So really shocking, stunning. My reactions off the top of my head is, one, I feel really bad for Rutgers players. This is a good group of guys. Caleb McConnell, who has been a building block, a foundational piece for that program, he won't get to play in another NCAA tournament. So these are good guys. They were dealt bad breaks. Three injuries to three key starters during a season, losing Mawat Mag in February uh, for the year with an ACL. That was one thing that the selection committee chair brought up. Basically said Rutgers didn't pass the eye test after Mag went out and Although that does ring true. Rutgers went two and six down the stretch after he got hurt. You're not supposed to be using the eye test. And so two other things uh, that was, well, that were brought up the three quad four losses, uh, four quad three losses. Look, Rutgers had took a bunch of bad losses. That's on them. And the, the thing that's going to really, like I think have ramifications down the line is the selection committee chair brought up Rutgers schedule no notable wins on the non-conference schedule. This has been like a bugaboo among people who've watched Steve Peichel closely since he got here in 2016. You know, Rutgers has one of the, one of the softest non-conference schedules in the country. It's like 340 out of 360. They rank these things and the committee looked at that. It's worked for Rutgers in the past. It hasn't come back to bite them until now. And so did Rutgers do enough to be in? Most people thought they would, they did, but They had some vulnerabilities, and the committee made an example of them. Whether that's right or wrong, you can debate, but that is exactly what happened. The committee made an example of their vulnerabilities.
2: I give you a lot of credit because you said this several times last week about conference tournaments, right, and how much they're viewed by the committee. And after Rutgers beat Michigan and Chicago, then played really well against Purdue, everyone said, oh, it's locked up. They're going to be in. Maybe they'll even avoid, avoid Dayton. I mean, it seemed like a foregone conclusion. Steve Peichel went on a, a long you know, defense of his team's resume after the game, after the Purdue loss. Um, and it just seemed like they maybe had done enough in the Big Ten tournament to show the committee that they belonged because they did look like an NCAA tournament team, whereas they didn't at the end of the regular season. You could look at that Rutgers team in Chicago and say, okay, that's a team that belongs in the NCAA tournament. And we were all wrong. Everyone who expected right. them to be in the big dance, they weren't there because of what you said. The conference tournaments just aren't viewed that right. way. And Rutgers is on the outside looking in. So
1: they don't they don't look at them anymore and in, in terms of the NCAA tournament. Penn State made a run to the Big Ten final. They got a 10 seed. They don't look at it. Right. And so you really gotta win. Uh,
2: I mean, that's the, you know, you
1: gotta look tour- for the major conferences. They're a money-making showcase but they don't matter. They're a money-making showcase. We'll get into the the issues they cause with teams that win them in a minute later. And we talk about the bracket, but it's, it didn't matter. And and we should know better. And I want to remind us again next year that like you're locked in once your regular season ends, you are locked in. If you're a major conference team, Steve, I'm sorry. You wanted to say,
3: I I was just going to say that, listen, I'm, I am all for teams like Nevada being in the tournament. They absolutely should be. But you cannot put yourself in a position to get your bid stolen by a team like that. And that's what Rutgers has done. And again, I would argue that this happened last year because of what happened in the non-conference. They end up in a really tough game in the first four against Notre Dame. You know, uh, so I think in in the future, you know, you you have to – it can't be lip service. You have to schedule tougher. And and I I think it's a year too late for sure if he does do it.
1: But just to play devil's advocate on that, like last year Rutgers had a really weak schedule and they got in. The committee let them in with a net of 75 because the committee's point was you have you have the wins. We look at who you beat, and you have the wins. They had quad one and two, big wins. And so, you know, what did Steve Peichel learn from that? The big wins matter, you know, be win your big your key Big Ten games. So this year, Rutgers did that. They won at Northwestern. They won at Purdue. They won games on the road. They won, They beat a bunch of a bunch of quad one, big 10 opponents. And then the committee went and looked at, you know, who did you play at a conference? They looked at different things this year. So it was kind of a mixed message. So while I agree, totally agree, Steve, that Steve Peichel needs to upgrade his non-conference schedule and it's too late probably to get in a feast week tournament, right? The cheapest way to do that is to play in feast week. And Rutgers has—they have invitations galore to play in Feast Week. It's too late to get in a Feast Week tournament next year. What what Rutgers has to do is, they got to play one or two of these, you know, uh, one-off, one-day showcases like in the Garden or the Barclays Center. They these teams will play them. They won't come to the rack and play them. They'll play them on a neutral court. And Steve's got to—he's got to figure that out. He's got to get a couple of those games for next year. And I think he will, like he sounds stubborn yesterday and he's been stubborn, but he's not, he's not stupid. Like what, what he did was working for Rutgers. It worked last year. It didn't work this year. He'll learn what, regardless of what he said yesterday, he will learn, like I said, too late for feast week, 2023, they'll figure something out. And then going forward, feast week, 2024, that's the cheap way to get good games and upgrade your non-conference schedule. So... The committee's inconsistencies were somewhat of an issue here, and uh, but you know that's that's the way it's always been. So that, Rutgers will learn, but it stings today. And could Chris, based on the way they played in the Big Ten tournament, you were there. They're ready to compete in the NCA's. They were ready, but they won't get the chance.
0: Yeah, and, and like you said, Jerry, maybe it is kind of the wake-up call they need going forward. And, uh, you know, for future schedules, maybe they, they boost it up a little bit for situations like this, where at the end of the season, you're you're thankful you went and challenged yourself in the non-conference schedule. So you do feel for the players. Of course, you feel for the fans as well, who are getting ready, uh, what they thought would be another NCAA tournament for their team. Instead, it's the NIT for the Scarlet Knights. Scene Hall also in the NIT as well. We'll get to the NIT bracket in just a minute. But let's talk about the New Jersey schools that are in the NCAA tournament. And let's start with the Princeton Tigers. We said a few weeks ago when we were looking at the uh, Ivy League tournament, Princeton and Yale were one and two all year. Yale, the number one seed, Princeton, the two seed. Yale had Princeton's number. They beat them twice this year. We said if Princeton wants to go to the NCAA tournament, they're eventually going to have to beat Yale. And that's what they did. So the Tigers are a 15 seed. They will be taking on Arizona. Arizona won the Pac-12 tournament uh, the other night beating UCLA. So obviously a, a two versus a 15. That's a tough matchup. It's been done before St. Peter's last year, of course. But uh, what do we think about Princeton's matchup, Steve, with Arizona as we look at this team? We, we always kind of said the Ivy League this year, who, no matter who the representative is, could make some noise in the tournament. What do we think about this game?
3: I think Princeton certainly ha- is going to go in there with a game plan to try and keep that game close, and I think they're capable of it. You know, because they have some talent now, and and they come out of a really really competitive league. Now, they're just not going to have the athletes that you know that, that Arizona had, and, and as always, you know that that is just a very very tough game. You know, for, for a 15 seed.
1: So I, I spoke with Miss Henderson this morning. I was at you know Princeton the last two days for the Ivy League tournament, which was a really well-run, great event. Jadwin was sizzling. And Princeton rose to the occasion at home, man. They played great. They played two fantastic games against good teams. Uh, something was said on the CBS broadcast last night that made me cringe. I don't remember which who it was at the desk there who said, Princeton's going back to the Pete Carrill days. No, they're not. They don't play like that anymore. Have you watched Princeton at all? I mean, they, they're not going to drain the clock against Arizona. You know, they're not going to take a shot, you know, one shot every five minutes. They're not going to do that. That's how well Princeton attacks. They, they share the ball. They push, they, they, they fire away. That's what they do. So, so we spoke, Mitch and I spoke about this this morning. Okay. And. You know, you mentioned historical parallels, and certainly Mitch has already brought up St. Peter's to his team. He told me that, right? Uh, 15 seed from Jersey last year that knocked, knocked Kentucky down. So, But the other thing is, you know, Mitch Henderson played in one of the great upsets of all time in the NCAA tournament, and that was Princeton beating UCLA in 1996, Pete Carrill's last win as a head coach. And, uh, you know, Mitch is going to bring that up to his team in the sense that Okay, that game was played in the 40s, you know, and the scoring wise, and it was in, in, in Indianapolis, not in, in the backyard of UCLA, where Princeton's gonna be in Sacramento. But Mitch's larger point is gonna be there's magic in March. And you know, I did it as a player, St. Peter's did it last year. You can do it. Now, there are matchup issues there in that like Arizona is a plays fast and scores a lot. And, like, Princeton is not geared to slow teams down anymore. That's not what they do. So it doesn't seem to match up great for Princeton, as you know Steve alluded to. Uh, but there's magic in March, and Princeton can score the ball. They can make threes. And when you make threes, and the, maybe the other team's off or nervous or whatever, when you make threes, you have a chance. One other thing. Princeton is going to have a great player in this game, Tosa Nawalma has now elevated himself to a great player. He dominated the Ivy League tournament. He's a 6'8 point forward. The country is going to see this guy on Thursday. And by the way, Princeton, I think, plays in a solo time slot. I'm pretty sure Princeton, Arizona, is that buried game around dinner time where they'll have the whole country to themselves. So it's a real opportunity for them to showcase. Arizona deserves to be an enormous favorite. Princeton, has a puncher's chance, and certainly it'll be worth watching.
0: That's why they play the games, absolutely. You know, we see it every year an underdog, a lot of people, maybe uh, schools that uh, people. Don't really uh, know too much about or really haven't heard about throughout the course of the season. They become the the darlings of, of the NCAA tournament. It was St. Peter's last year. And like you said, Jerry, uh, the message to Princeton, why not us? Why can't it be us this year? And for any of us who have seen this team play, maybe not so much. Who was it? Jay Wright on CBS that you were talking about. For us, those of us who have seen this team play, we know what they're capable of, and, and they can certainly give a team like Arizona fits.
1: And let's not forget, of- let's not forget that Mitch Henderson coached Princeton in 2017 and took a really high-powered Notre Dame team to the last possession in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So those players are all new, but I think Mitch of all people understands March Magic. So would I? Would I bet my mortgage on Princeton? No, absolutely not. Will I watch the game? Would I watch the game as a neutral? Yeah, I would. I would keep an eye on Princeton Thursday.
0: They are the 15 seed taking on the two seed Arizona. As for Fairleigh Dickinson, they are the 16 seed. They will be playing in the first four against texas southern uh, an opportunity there for fdu steve to to score a win in the ncaa tournament that's a big deal for them
3: it is a big deal now listen they are going to be underdogs in in this game Uh, i think you know if you look at the metrics of this tournament no one has metrics quite as as low as, as fdu and you know the team they're playing texas southern this is what they do they've won two straight first four games this is where they slot every year you know, you know, they come out of the swack. you know, is it a little bit better league than the NEC? And it might be. So I, this is a tough matchup. However, FDU goes in as honestly, one of the best stories, you know, in March Madness and, and that carries weight this time of year, you know, they're going to have a lot of people pulling for them. And, you know, if, if they could, you know, a team that was four and 22 last year could win a game in the NCAA tournament the next year, that's a pretty big story. So this is FDU.
1: This is FDU Super Bowl. I mean, this is their national championship game, and this is why the first four has charm. I don't love it. I love the sixty-four team symmetry, but if you're gonna if you're gonna defend the first four, this is why you defend it because FDU will have a chance at their moment. Look, last week, you know, we covered it how great it was when they they punched a ticket to the dance, but like the country hardly noticed. It was a semifinal game on a Saturday night. Most people didn't even know what the stakes were. And then FDU finally gets on TV for their NEC final. They get on over-the-air TV again, and they lose. You know, and Merrimack's cutting down the nets. So, like, FDU was kind of robbed of their national moment. In Jersey, it was celebrated, but they were kind of robbed of their national moment. This is their national moment. And so, yeah, this means everything to them. And it would be a great showcase. I mean, the country's going to be watching Wednesday night. And so... Can they win yet? Are they underdogs? Yeah, Steve's right. Steve did the homework on this. He's right. They're underdogs, but you go out there and you play fast and loose. You won four games last year. You got a first-year coach who has a great attitude toward these things. You got nothing to lose. And if they won and they got a chance to throw a punch at Purdue, to put a rock in the sling at Purdue, which still has a wound from St. Peter's last year. Boy, would that be juicy for us. So got to get there first, but intriguing with FDU.
0: I'm with you, Jerry. I don't especially love the first four, but when it, it provides teams with an opportunity like FDU to, to get a win in the NCAA tournament. And there's been some really fun games in the first four that we have seen over the years, anyone tuning in at home, they don't care. They're watching two 16 seeds go at it. It doesn't matter to them. You're watching the, the March madness. You're watching the NCAA tournament. People will tune in. And like you said, the winner gets Purdue. So we'll and see again like, there.
1: again, like, like, like Princeton, FDU is fun to watch. Like they push the ball, they share the ball. They score the ball. They shoot. They shoot well. I mean, they're exciting. So I, it's good. It's it, it'll be good theater.
0: So we'll be watching Princeton and FDU, the two representatives for New Jersey in the NCAA tournament. Two representatives from New Jersey, of course, in the NIT as well. Rutgers. They have Hofstra tomorrow night. Seen Hall. They have to jump on a plane. They have Colorado Tuesday night. What is that? An 11 p.m. tip off for the Pirates? Oh my What goodness. the heck? <laughs> I mean, when you look at this NIT bracket, first off, Rutgers, they have a tough game. Hofstra is good. You've seen them play a lot, Steve. That's a tough opening game for Rutgers. And then it also, uh, it's kind of the mentality of this all. Uh, a team that's just missing the NCAA tournament, uh, can they get up for an NIT game?
3: Well, and that's it. You know, who 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 has the motivation to do well in this game? I mean, let's face it. This is a big game for Hofstra. You know, like going to Rutgers, you know, they're going to be amped up. Speedy Claxton's a very good coach. And, you know, Aaron Estrada, I think there's a good chance this guy's playing in the NBA. That's how good he is. You know, he, he it's going to be a very tough game, I think, for Rutgers.
1: The the Haggerty Award goes to the best player in the metropolitan area each year. It's a very old, prestigious thing. And, you know, Aaron Estrada's in the driver's seat. He's from New Jersey, by the way. Uh, he's and a former St. Peter's guy, too. He played college Started out at St. Peter's, then Oregon, now Hofstra. He's played really well there. Uh, And, yeah, he's good. He's probably the favorite to win the Haggerty. And I don't know, Chris, what do you think? I mean, it really – like Pete Thamel, our friend at ESPN, has a great line that he said before, the hardest event in sports to forecast is the NIT because you just don't know where the motivations are for all these teams.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. Listen, I think that Steve Peichel will do his best to have his team motivated and ready to go. But, I mean, there's no doubt that, I mean, just the level of disappointment and, and shift in thinking that you have to go from in two days to go from thinking that you're going to the NCAA tournament for a third season in a row to now you're in the NIT. And it's just it's it's going to be tough, man, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's now up to Peichel to, to get his team. And he said, too, like I had, you know, I played in the P- NIT as a player at UConn. I had a great experience. It was one of the best experiences that I had in my you know playing career. And you know, he's gonna have to try and, and kind of translate that to his team and hope that they get up for it. But that's that's easier said than done.
1: This is a good a good test of coaching for him, of like locker room motivation for him, and he's been very good at that. Uh, the other thing, the other thing here, but in Rucker's favor is that they're at home, and I do think like a lot of times you see these NIT games where the building's half-filled and like everybody's deflated, including the fans. I have a feeling Rutgers fans will rally behind this team. I think there's there's sort of an investment and an attachment to basketball now that Steve Peichel has created with Rutgers. I feel like I mean, maybe it won't be full to the rafters. The people who show up, and there will be a decent amount of them tomorrow, are going to be into it. I think they'll give this team some fuel. So, you know, Rutgers could host three games. They're a one seed. They could host three games. So there's some potential intangible there. I don't know. It's so tough to predict, but I do like the attitude that Steve Peichel and Shaheen Holloway have taken toward the NIT. And we'll get into Holloway now, uh, in Seton Hall, and then I'll talk about this issue with the NIT in North Carolina. Because I have some things to say. Okay. But <laughs> so that's the stage. Rutgers Hofstra, good game. It's not a bad game. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna say, nah, who cares? That's a good local basketball game, as we both just everybody here just said. Seton Hall at Colorado. And look, unlike unlike Rutgers, Seton Hall is, they didn't know if they would get in the NIT. Like Rutgers knew if once they didn't get in, that's where they were going. Seton Hall had no idea if they would get into the NIT. They got in. So I think they're happy to be in it. Uh, At the same time, it's a lot to ask for them to get in a plane, fly two time zones west, 11 o'clock tip Eastern. The body clocks are going to be all messed up and you're playing at altitude. So it's, it's a big ask. And another coach who who I was talking to who's played in the NIT and had some of these one-day turnarounds said, the NIT just really screws some teams because, I mean, you got to draw the matchup somewhere, and they try to regionalize it. But there's always a couple that get bizarre draws, and Seton Hall's one of those teams. So I don't know, man. It's a lot. Colorado's pretty good. They like Seton Hall. They, they defend. Uh, they got a couple good scores, but they mostly hang their head on defense. And it's just a really tough spot to go across the country. Seheen Holloway in 2016 was the associate coach when Seton Hall went to Denver for the NCA tournament and 11 o'clock tip against Gonzaga could not adjust to the altitude, the time difference, and they got throttled. Uh, you know, Seton Hall, they, they could lose this game. I'll be really surprised and impressed if Seton Hall can, you know, the shorthanded as it is, got seven, eight guys, can find the wherewithal to win at Colorado. Just looking a little bit down the line in the bracket, if Rutgers and Seton Hall can win two games each, they'll play each other in Piscataway, which would be the biggest NIT game in modern history New Jersey basketball. How many of us clowns will be there for that? Sign me up for that. But a long way to go. For that, and Seton Hall has, is the toughest road right now, so we'll see, we'll see. But I wanted to say something about the way Steve Peichel and Shaheen Holloway have handled this NIT invitation, okay? Because the NIT is not quite what it was in that they don't, they no longer finishes in Madison Square Garden. It's now in Las Vegas, uh, it, but it still has cachet. I mean the two, the two teams in last year's final. Uh, Texas A&M and Xavier built off of that. You know, they ended the season on a good note. They took the momentum into the offseason. They're now, they're playing in the big dance with with good seeds this week. And so it still has value. You know, does Rutgers want to end its season on a heartbreaking thing from a TV screen? Does Seton Hall want to end its season blowing a four-point lead to DePaul with 10 seconds left? In Madison Square Garden? No, of course not. So you this is a privilege to play college basketball. You want to keep playing ball if you can. And these games are going to be on ESPN. It's not like there's nobody watching. So to me, uh, Steve Peichel and Shaheen Holloway have taken the right attitude in not only accepting an NIT bid, but embracing the opportunity to play for their upperclassmen for each other and for their development and for themselves, and so that matters still. Okay, that matters. I give them a lot of credit. Can they transfer that attitude to their players? We'll see. That's a coaching test. That leads me to North Carolina. North Carolina turned down an NIT bid. Okay, now Texas uh, Texas Tech turned one down. That program's on fire. They had a coach they had to dismiss amid controversy about things he said. Different. North Carolina turned down an NIT bid because basically. We're too good for this tournament, okay? No, you're not. No, you're not. You you were preseason number one, okay. You were in the NCAA tournament final last year, okay. You're North Carolina, you're like blue blood number one or 1A, okay. So what? The NIT is what you deserve this year. It's not some you, – you didn't get shafted. That's what you deserved. And you know what? The NIT is a history, a tournament with a lot of history, and there's a bunch of other high majors playing in it. What makes you better than them, okay? Why would you look down? You know how bad that looks? You know how spoiled North Carolina looks? How out of touch North Carolina looks by turning this down? Now, what you're going to say, what the critics or the defenders of North Carolina is going to say is, well, the players took a vote in a locker room and they didn't want to play. And so, well, why do you even have a head coach then? (laughs) Why even have a freaking head coach if the players are going to say, ah, we're just going to quit? We're just going to throw in a towel. Does Hubert Davis even coach his team? Does he have any clue what he's doing? Is he worthy of being the head coach of North Carolina? If he's going to allow the players to just quit? I mean, you think Steve Peichel and Shaheen Holloway went in there and took a straw poll of their players? No, that's leadership. You go in that locker room and you be a leader. That's why you're getting paid millions of dollars a year. You say, guys, there's more ball to play. Let's do it. And you know what? He didn't do that. They quit. They threw in the towel. Spoiled blue blood. You know what? Yellow blood as in cowards. As in cowards. So terrible attitude. And I hope that it doesn't rub off on other teams that want to quit. But – People talk about entitlement and spoiled and North Carolina is now the poster child for this. Congratulations, Hubert Davis. You're an embarrassment and rant. We should have started the podcast with that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that had to get off my chest. Good for Rutgers and Seton Hall, Steve Pike, Lachie Holloway for doing the right thing. And you know what fans, when you see your team play, over the next two games, you'll know it was the right thing to do.
0: Absolutely, I mean, you just think back to, to anyone who's ever played sports. What you wouldn't give for one more game? Anyone who's ever had a you know a senior day, no matter the sport, what you wouldn't give to play one more game? So, an opportunity for these players who will not play college basketball ever again to to get at least one more game in. So, we'll see how Rutgers and Scene Hall does. I know we'll be rooting for that matchup. I think it's in the quarterfinals they could possibly cross paths. So, we'll keep an eye on the nit Uh, before we go back to the men's bracket in the ncaa tournament let's look quickly at the women's bracket because new jersey represented there as well monmouth they will be playing in the first four against tennessee tech and princeton the princeton women they're a 10 seed they will be taking on the seven seed north carolina state so a sweep for the princeton programs both the men and women in the tournament and then steve also a little bit of history there with the monmouth women punching their ticket
3: well, the Princeton women are very good. And and they are led by a former St. John Vianney player, Madison St. Rose. And it's worth noting here that on the women's side, there are 14 former short conference players who are playing in the NCAA tournament. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. You know, and and, and Princeton has has one of the best of them. Uh and if you look at Monmouth, a great story, you know, a team that Two years ago, won two games. You know, in their second year this year under head coach Jenny Boggus, who was an assistant at Penn State, uh, who was who was in uh, Marquette for the complete rebuild of that team to make them uh, really a top Big East program. Uh, she was an assistant there, and she has really turned the Monmouth program around. And she's done it with five Shore Conference players on the roster. So uh, it's a it's a really nice story. Um, and, and really a, a recruiting chip for Ginny Bogus in terms of mining some of the incredible amount of talent here at the shore.
0: Similar to, to FDU for Monmouth women, an opportunity to win a game in the NCAA tournament. And that's a big deal playing in the first four. Uh, it's an opportunity and, and something to build on going forward.
3: Well, and and the Mammoth story is kind of incredible because they were a middle of the pack CAA team all year, and that's a good thing. First year in the CAA, you're you're making a jump up. You know they they were really holding their own. I watched all four of their games in the CAA tournament. They beat the first, second, and third seeds, and in all four games, they were the better team from start to finish. It was pretty amazing the way they ran through the tournament, and they won the final against the top seed on Towson's home court by 25 points. So they go in with an amazing amount of uh, of confidence, and I would not be surprised if they get through the first round. Uh, and the way it works on the women's side is, you know, they're playing in Bloomington, Indiana, against Tennessee Tech, and then you have to stay there and two days later play Indiana uh, top seed. So uh, that would be a tough one, but it's a nice nice thing for momma.
1: And a good, really good week for sure. Conference women's basketball alums, right? Because Princeton's going uh, to the dance with Madison Saint Rose, who's who's a yeah. St. There's St. A, there's fanatic. a bunch.
3: There's there's like three girls on on Holy Cross who won the Patriot League. Um, you know, Iona's in. You know, we there, we have a girl on Iona. So there's a there's a lot, a lot of short conference
1: girls all over. Uh, so it it's a nice thing this time of year. Really nice moment at Princeton yesterday. The men's and women's teams watched the selection show together. And, uh, you know, they were they were the shows were back to back and they watched all in, as a group. And that's cool. And they built a nice thing over there. And it's 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 good to see that kind of camaraderie for sure. Yeah. And two opportunities
0: for New Jersey schools to score a win. As we said, Monmouth playing in the first four and then Princeton, they're a 10 seed. They're good. They, they have a chance obviously to, to beat the seven seed NC state. So we'll keep an eye on those two teams playing in the women's NCAA tournament. Let's wrap up the show quickly. Just with our thoughts on the men's bracket, we jump back to the men's side. Uh, we had a chance to look at the bracket. Of course, the, the ink still wet on it as they revealed it last night, we're really starting to comb through it now. Uh, thoughts on the bracket we'll start with you jerry could be anything who you think is going to win teams to make a run upset alert whatever direction you want to take it go for it
1: so the of course the most intriguing game for all of us in the first round is yukon and and iona i mean what you couldn't have drawn it up any better for storylines up in albany right dan hurley and yukon they will be on the griddle this week because and yukon The expectation is raising banners and deep runs into March. And after yet another Big East tournament semifinal exit, UConn fans are getting a little restless, I feel, deep in my bones. And so they're going to, they flooded uh, the garden this past week. They left disappointed. They're going to flood Albany. And the pressure will be very high on UConn to win their two games in Albany, get to the second weekend, anything less will sit really badly with those crazy fans. So our old friend Dan Hurley, New Jersey guy through and through, he's in a tough spot. I heard someone someone had a good line. They said he's going to have no fingernails left by tip-off with Rick Patino, Steve, lurking on the other side. I mean, what a house money moment for Rick, right, Steve? You know, you know this whole storyline. You know where this is going. Hey, listen.
3: He had to sit at home and watch Shaheen Holloway last year do exactly what he wanted to do and what he thought he was going to do. So now's your chance. And uh, listen, I I don't think any of us believe he's going to be back at at Iona. You know, I'm sure he's going to be at at St. John's. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see.
1: He'll. So we got to come up with some sort of formula. Like the closer, the closer the margin of this game is, the more millions he extracts from St. John's. If he ever won, they, they're they going to have to leverage the entire vitamin water to pay him. <laughs> uh, so, listen, it's a great game locally. You know, Patino and the Hur- Hurley, those are the u- enormous names in basketball. And so uh, Iona takes a swing. I don't know, Steve. I don't think – I think UConn's got too much. I don't know. What do you think? What do you put Iona's chances at? I, I think I, I would put
3: Iona's chances at – 20 25 percent oh, okay so that's a real chance yeah i mean listen it's it, it's rick patino right he's in the hall of fame you, you know whatever you think about him the guy can coach right and yeah. he's got some talent um so listen we'll we'll see what happens but i expect Iona to go out there and and, and take a big swing you
1: all know, right here's my other pieces of advice looking at the bracket i don't i don't have a final four yet i haven't gotten to that point but i will say this i be very wary of, of high major teams that won their conference tournament. There's a wear down factor that you see a lot, okay? Uh, and uh, the 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 Big Twelve is the best conference. Go bet on Big Twelve. I really like TCU. They're an underseed, six seed. They they lost a bunch of games when when Mike Miles, who's one of the best guards in the country, was injured. He's back. I saw TCU with this nucleus rip seat and all the shreds last year and almost take down Arizona, but for a controversial call in the second round, TCU is a dangerous six seed. Okay. Dangerous. Uh, so I like the, I like the, the big 12, especially TCU, uh, to make, you know, to make a deep run and maybe surprise people as a six. And I like, I kind of like Iowa, uh, Against Houston, if that matchup materializes, I don't know how good Houston is. I mean, they're good. Are uh, they one seed good? Especially with the best player, Sasser. You know, injured Marcus Sasser has got a groin injury. I think he his, his status is up in the air. So I like that Iowa checked out of the big the Big Ten tournament early last year. They won it and then flopped. I like the opposite effect for them. So it's a potential something to keep an eye on there. And I know. There's going to be a lot of college at Charleston talk, including among my friends on this podcast. I like San Diego State as a five-seed everyone's going to bet against. The Mountain West is really good, and I know they didn't do great in the tournament last year. It's a good, deep league, and San Diego State, they own that league. And so I think they're battle-tested and and ready to go. That would be a mid-major that I'll keep an eye on for sure. Steve, how about you? Anything uh, that's standing out from the bracket?
3: Yeah, I'm going to go through my little asterisks I made here on, and one of them is Iowa-Houston. Yeah, I I agree with Jerry. You know, is Houston one seed good? Mm, I don't know. And I tell you what, in a one-game scenario, I would not want to be having Iowa in the second round. You know, so it's going to be quite a test. Again, Charleston I I think Charleston has a chance in that game again I've seen that conference a lot this year I saw Charleston they were by far the best team I thought from start to finish um you know I know Hofstra popped up in the and and took the lead in the standings for for a brief bit but in the tournament it was all Charleston um it's a 30 win team uh you don't win 30 games you know by accident I think they've got a real shot in that game Uh, I think Oral Roberts has a chance against Duke. I really like Oral Roberts. I, I, I think they're they're a tough 12 seed. Um, and one other thing I I, I have circled here, a, a Sweet 16 UCLA Gonzaga would be a really, really nice game. So uh those are my thoughts off the top of my head.
2: Chris, how about you? Well I'm one of the P I like Charleston. So I'm gonna I think that's gonna be an intriguing game against San Diego State, but I am one of Jerry's friends who likes that Charleston uh, team to make a run. Um, or at least beat San Diego State. And then I think Marquette's got a shot to make the nice little run. So I think those are the two things when I look at the bracket that kind of stand out the most.
0: When I go through it real quick, when I see, I think, First off the the first game of the tournament, Maryland West Virginia, that will be a slugfest and I think whoever wins that game won't necessarily beat Alabama, but will give Alabama uh, an early tournament test there and, and Ryan, really-
1: Maryland, I almost forgot. Oh, be still my heart. Kevin <laughs> Willard in another 8-9 game. Where have we seen this movie before? I will say good job by Kevin Willard and Grant Billmeyer. You know, Maryland they had to sort of start from scratch. To get him into the NCAA tournament is a good job. Those guys can really coach. That said, Willard has been buzzsawed numerous times in this 8-9 quadrant, and here he is again. So I know some Seton Hall fans are rolling their eyes about that. But anyway, okay, I just want to interject with that.
0: Yeah, and he only has Hall of Famer Bob Huggins uh, you know, across the, the floor from him to open up the tournament there. So uh, two physical teams. That will be a fun one to watch. And like I said, whoever does win that game, Not necessarily beating Alabama, but I think at least testing Alabama there. Uh, I know Charleston's been a popular pick, too. If you're going to pick an upset the way a lot of people do, whether it's your favorite color, your favorite mascot, how can you pick against the Gauchos of UC Santa Barbara? Great name. They have Baylor. I know we talked about the Big 12 and how good the Big 12 is. Baylor has burned my bracket. Far too many times. So I'm going to put them on upset alert because I learned from my mistakes there. We'll see if Baylor and the Gauchos, the Bears and Gauchos, that should be a fun game as well. I think Oral Roberts, a 30 win team against Duke, you know, that little tiny private school down in North Carolina. I think if Duke does get past Oral Roberts, that's a big if. I think they could go on a little bit of a run. They've played well the last few weeks. Uh, I'd be on the lookout for them. I like Creighton as well. It should be a fun tournament. I mean, you just scroll up and down this bracket. I, I feel like I see a new, exciting, fun game every time I look at it. There's just so many great matchups. We said UConn and Iona. That will be a fun one as well. It's the best week in sports. It's the best weekend in sports. And I know we're all very much looking forward to it. It's finally here. Everything we've been talking about this entire season,
1: it's finally here.
0: We're Merry Christmas,
1: guys. Tournament. Merry Christmas for Hoop Heads. <laughs>
0: It's a fun week ahead, and of course, Jerry, Steve, and Chris are on top of it all. They'll be covering not only the NCAA tournament, of course, the NIT as well, with Rutgers and Seton Hall participating in that. Be sure to read their coverage, northjersey.com, app.com, mycentraljersey.com, and enjoy the tournament. Enjoy nonstop college basketball. A fun weekend ahead. We'll be back next week to talk all about it. Thank you for listening to Jersey Jump Shot. Enjoy the games. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.